Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we're trying to find some balance in this world full of extremes. All right, let's get into today's episode. So today I'm going to be doing two more reviews of the Fed Up podcast series, and it is so good, you guys. Oh my God, it's so, so, so good. I am literally obsessed with it, and I heard it's the number one podcast in the world right now, so a lot of other people are are very much into it. So we're going to do episode number two and episode number three, and then uh, I'll continue on next week. First, just a little personal update. I am happy to report that most of my taste is back. Uh, thank you so much to my listeners who reached out via DM on Instagram and messaged me on on some of the comments under some of my posts. I do really appreciate that. Y'all, y'all are so sweet. Um, but yeah, my taste is back. Not all my smell is back, but I went to a birthday dinner with my boyfriend the other day. His It was his dad's birthday and we were at P.F. Chang's and all of us, I was like, oh yeah, my taste is back. <laughs> I had this, they had these little like bunt cakes and it, there was this, it was like a strawberry buttercream. Oh my God. I definitely tasted that. I'm like, oh yeah, I can, I can taste this. It's interesting though, that not all my smell is back. Cause I know the two are tied together, but thankfully I do have most of my taste back. I was so worried it'd be gone for a long time, but it is back. Um, the week has been crazy. If any of you do follow me on Instagram, you'll see the, I almost had a heat stroke going out for a walk the other day, a mental health walk. I just had an insane day. You know, when you have those days where just everything seems to go wrong, it's like you have a a somewhat clear schedule and it should be an easy day and then everything explodes. That was that day. Um, I had an employee who just seemed to go off the deep end. He's only been with us a couple weeks and he just went literally ballistic and, um, started like yelling profanities and had to be let go. And, you know, it's never fun to fire somebody, but when they are dropping F-bombs directly at you, it becomes an easy situation to deal with. So, um, so that was fun, but, um, I went out for a walk and just walked a little bit too far in 105 degree weather. And then on the way back, I was like, oh my God, Veronica, you can make it, you can make it. I've only had heat stroke once. It was when I was, um, I was on a date in Sedona and this guy was this big hiker and it was, it was over 90 degrees and we didn't leave until like 11 a.m. And so we were out like right in the middle of the afternoon hiking and it was miles and miles. I mean, I only, I probably only went like a mile, mile and a half the other day, but, um, but this was like miles and I started throwing up. I mean, I, I was really, really sick. I didn't get heat stroke, which you can die from. I was, I was definitely heat exhaustion, but I, we had to cut, cut our day short I couldn't eat. I couldn't keep anything down. I, it was it was bad. So I do know not to do that to myself, um, but I did need a little little mental health walk that day. So anyway, next time I'll probably just get on the treadmill. Uh, this weekend I'm going up to Prescott, Arizona, uh, Trumpville, basically. So that should be fun. I'm actually really looking forward to it. Uh, we're staying at a hotel. Our friend has a cabin up there. We'll do, we'll play some golf. We'll do some kayaking. There's a beautiful lake up there. And my boyfriend actually like made sure we were going to kayak. So I think after our little talk, 
about drinking way too much and having a little bit of balance from our San Diego trip, it worked. So he um, is going to come kayaking with us, which is nice. I know it's not his favorite activity, but, um, you know, I think he's doing it for me, which is, which is always nice. All right. So let's get into fed up. So again, this is the podcast series about Tanya Zuckerbrot and Emily Gellis and the lawsuit between them. So number two starts out, it's it's entitled The Fiber Queen. And so this kind of details Tanya's background. And so this episode starts out at a fancy event in New York. And it's, it's basically like a, a, a wellness summit for people that are like love F factor and follow F factor. And there's a sign that says smart girls eat fiber, you know, clapping overhead, like a religious preacher, like, you know, the way that it was being described, it sounded somewhat cult-like, which, you know, a lot of diet fads kind of become cult-like. And so, but it, it sounded like, you know, Tanya in her, you know, beautiful Kelly green outfit, very classy, Uh, You know, they described it as people being like near tears and just, you know, enthralled by Tanya. And um, and then this girl came on this this woman, Adina, who had spent over a thousand dollars to go to that event and said that Tanya was, you know, just like she was. Uh, you know, online, she was just the same in person. And so you hear Tanya come on, they took a little clip of her. And she was very inspirational, just talking about how, you know, where you are today is not where you have to be tomorrow. You know, I want you to leave here more educated, more inspired, you know, empowered for what your future has in store, you know. And so it kind of sounded like, you know, like a real growth message, you know, how to live your best life. So it's it's more than a diet. It's a lifestyle. And Tanya really, you know, emulates that and, and, and is the brand basically. And, you know, so she very much paints this, this very beautiful portrait of what life could be. And uh, there's a little gift bag that everybody gets. And it has that talisman that I mentioned in my last podcast about this, it, it's an intentions bracelet. So it's a little Kelly green. Kelly green is the color of the brand. And it's a Kelly green bracelet with a little gold F. And and it, I, apparently it's given to people that can afford like $25,000 for a dietitian. So it's, it's you know, it's definitely uh, for people that have a good amount of money to spend. Uh, and so... You know, Tanya was talking about how the F factor is a movement and the bracelet goes on the hand where that, you know, the, the, the hand that holds the fork and that it's a reminder of your commitment that you made to yourself. You know, this is the hand that holds the fork. What do you see for your future? You know, what intentions are you going to set for your life? And, and, you know, and, and Tanya's in tears as she's speaking and just, you know, so grateful that, you know, she, you know, tries to give so much to her clients and feels that she gets a lot in return from them. And, you know, it, it, the podcasters kind of gets into how Tanya, you know, usually, you know, fiber used to be associated with, you know, grandma and grandpa that need to, you know, eat their prunes. And Tanya, though, made fiber sexy and popular. And she very much used her own image and her own lifestyle to represent that brand. So 
So then they kind of go back in time and talk about, you know, before the whole diet started and talking about how Tanya came from, you know, somewhat humble beginnings. And apparently when she was 25 years old, her dad said, look, I'll either pay for your apartment or I'll pay for your school. And I mean, that's not coming from nothing. I mean, come on, like a father that can afford to buy you an apartment in New York City. I mean, that's that's some wealth. Uh, but they, you know, they describe it as she didn't come from the type of wealth that she has now. And they, they describe her as being very motivated uh, and that she valued education. And so she had her dad pay for her apartment and she actually wanted to put herself through school. So she put herself through school. She became a registered dietitian, which is not easy to do. I mean, it's basically like a doctorate in nutrition and, um, you know, and felt, you know, that, that she always felt that financial autonomy was very important. Uh, you know, I think her mom and dad had gotten divorced when she was young. And so, you know, she watched her mom, you know, as a working mom supporting her daughters. I, I think Tanya has two sisters, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, but Tanya, you know, when she was, Working as a dietitian, you have to do clinical hours. And Tanya said she, you know, she would cold call doctors to get clients and she would put them on a high fiber diet. And she noticed how it helped their heart, it helped their cholesterol, lower diabetes, and also lo- they lost weight. And so, and apparently there was um, a book called The F Plan. It was an older book that was written by a doctor a long time ago, but she used that as a basis for her program. And so, you know, a lot of diets, and they kind of listed like the South Beach diet and the Zone diet and all these, you know, somewhat restrictive diets that, that were really popular in the 90s and the 2000s. Um, you know, a lot of those diets take things away. And how the F factor diet is is not about taking things away. It's about adding fiber. And so, you know, the podcast goes on to talk about how Tanya stars rising. You know, she's got and, and, and how she grew her brand because she gave a lot of personal attention to her clients. I think back at this time when she first started, she was charging $15,000 per client. Um, she published two books and then she was able to hire more dietitians. She got celebrity clients. Like I know Megan Kelly was one of her client. I think, um, Katie Couric is also one of her clients and she, you know, truly became, you know, famous. And, um, and so, so the F factor was always about selling Tanya's brand, you know, the perfect body, the perfect teeth, the perfect hair, this aspirational life, um, jewelry, the bags, you know, and, and she shares it all on social media, you know, the lavish vacations to Cape Down and, and her, her very wealthy husband, A.W., who's, you know, a very handsome, in shape man himself and, you know, in commercial real estate and, you know, they have a $25 million apartment in New York and, and she shows what she eats. She's always showing her food and her food is now Granted, she has a chef that cooks all these very healthy foods, uh, you know, deliciously. But, you know, you do see her eating clean. I mean, she definitely, she's not someone who's like secretly getting lipo. She's really following the principles of her diet. You do see her eating pasta. You do see her, you know, she stays away from like the breads and the and the pastries. And, you know, like recently she showed her trip to Italy. 
And she goes on this, I mean, I mean, God, when I watch her Instagram, I'm like, oh my God, I want to go to Italy so bad. She goes to all these gorgeous restaurants and, you know, has delicious looking pasta dishes. And and there's always like a fish or a, a lean meat involved and always, you know, salad or soup before. So really, really clean. I mean, the, sh- the way her chef cooks, there's a ton of vegetables, you know, for the fiber and the nutrients. There's always lean protein, like a meat or a steak or um, you know, fish and, and, you know, there's sometimes some potato or some, you know, some carbs in there. Uh, but it's mainly vegetables and protein. I mean, that is quite what makes up a lot of the food and F factor. You know, when you're eating a dessert, it's supposed to be more of like a mindful indulgence that you eat a very, very small portion of. So, um, so anyway, so, This uh, very, very aspirational lifestyle is what Tanya used to basically kind of grow her brand, grow the F-Factor diet. And, you know, people wanted to be like Tanya. They wanted Tanya's lifestyle. And so... um, So anyway, so so Tanya's star is rising and... And, and testimonials, people would love the results that they were getting from her diet. And so now in 2018, that's when Tanya created the F-Factor protein powders and bars. So um, because on this diet, on the F-Factor diet, you're supposed to get 35 grams of fiber, which is a lot. Um, and apparently each bar, each F-Factor protein bar has 20 grams of fiber, which, you know, that is a lot. So with one protein or one, you know, one protein bar or one shake, you're getting most of the the fiber that you need to get in in this diet in a very convenient way. And so these bars became very popular. They sold out so fast. And these products that went along with this very successful diet grew into the millions. And so you know, and, and, and you hear Tanya come on and, and speak about her products and say that they've become a staple in her kitchen uh, because these powders can be used to replace flour. So in a recipe like the the cheddar jalapeno um, biscuits that I talked about the other day, the, the, pow- the what would normally be flour, you're replacing with this high fiber protein. And so... So, so they'd make all these, I mean, if you look at the F Factor website and I've tried some of these recipes and I've looked at them, I am going to order the powders again and, and experiment a little bit more with some of these recipes because some of them really do look delicious. It is an easy way to get like a high fiber, sweet tasting fix. Um, again, it's not going to be as satisfying as like the real thing, right? You're not going to get that, like that gluten and that um, real sugar that you want. And and the the texture of the fiber, like we talked about in the last podcast, it's, it's a little bit off, um, but they look delicious. I mean, of course, when they, they put the images on there, um, they look really delicious. So uh, the cookies, you know, they, they would make cookies that look delicious and tasted delicious. And so, you know, you have all the fiber you need that day. It keeps you feeling full. And so it's a good way to, you know, in Tanya's estimation and her clients to feel like you're indulging without actually indulging and getting still getting a lot of fiber with low low real sugar into your diet. And so, you know, people love the recipes. They love the products. They love the diet. They love Tanya. And then that's the perfect time, of course, for things to blow up. And so... 
That's when the pandemic hit. So then they talk about, they fast forward to 2020 and Emily Yellis is home. So they, they get back to Emily, who's, you know, Tanya's arch enemy. And so Emily's at home looking for gossip. You know, she's got these two sites that she follows. I guess one is called Page Six Has Eyes, Bitsy Whispers. They're anonymous accounts that would publish a lot of gossip. And you really didn't know if any of it was true. It sounds like a Dumois type of account. But there would be tons of stuff written about F-Factor. And so, you know, they call Emily Yellis, Emily Rockovich on the prowl. And and apparently both of those accounts suddenly disappeared. And Emily ended up being like, why are all these accounts disappearing that have all this F-Factor information on it? And so Emily ended up posting a video to ask people to share their F-Factor stories. She's like, well, maybe I'll just see if they'll share with me. And she's con- so while all this is happening, Tanya is not making any type. She's she's completely silent for two weeks, which is not like her. Usually she's on social media, you know, posting every day, multiple times a day. And you can definitely tell when someone is is just drops off of social media. Typically something's going on with them. Um, it could be personal, it could be professional, you never know. But usually when people are taking a social media break, it's, it's, it's for some reason, some specific reason. And so, you know, she's just kind of surprised that there's nothing about all the chatter about her diet that was posted online. And then all of a sudden, after that two weeks of complete silence, Tanya then goes on Instagram live. And she's like, thank you for joining me today. This has been a really challenging time. You know, I've, I've found that there were some Instagram accounts out there that were trying to harm me, that were um, slandering me, that were slandering my diet, the F-Factor diet, um, spreading lies about my family, my employees, spreading lies about my products. And she's like, and they're all anonymous accounts that were spreading hate about the F-Factor program, about the F-Factor products, about my husband. And, you know, and she's, and she goes on and you hear Tanya, like, it's basically like a snippet from her live. And she's like, you know, my husband, A.W. said, don't get involved. Don't respond to bullies. Don't lay down with dogs or you'll get fleas. Just don't engage. And, and she, you know, Tanya just couldn't imagine why this was happening. But she's like, it must be just God upholding me to help me succeed even on a larger scale so that I'm able to help more people. So instead of addressing, you know, some of the concerns that were out there about her diet, that clearly there were comments out there. Instead, she just doesn't address them, says that it's all slander, and then is fiercely defending herself. So you get the impression that you know, Tanya got these Instagram accounts taken down. And behind the scenes, she wasn't silent. She was actively probably working with an attorney to take those accounts down. And so Emily's like, this is insane. She's like, this is insane that she didn't address the issue. She's like, and and she's like, I need to expose this woman. And, and her husband's like, look, I don't think this is a good idea. You know, you're not even someone who was affected by this diet. You never actually did the diet. And Emily was like, well, how can I just sit around here doing nothing? I've, I've seen these stories. People are reaching out to me. And of course, Michael was very worried about getting into a lawsuit. And and Emily was like, you know, I got to make a decision. Like, am I going to risk this and expose Tanya? 
And, and she's like, I don't think I cannot share these stories that people sent, sent me. So she ended up deciding to post them. So after all this had happened, the institute, those, those Instagram, those anonymous Instagram accounts that had feedback about Tanya were taken down. Suddenly Emily starts posting and, and there's no engagement from Tanya. So two days pass, no response from Tanya, nothing. And so, and then she just posts a fashion pic, which is like her brand, you know, that's, she's, that's what she does. She's like a fashion influencer. And she's like, you know, most people are always positive in, in their comments with me. And then though, she's like, then people started trolling her. And there was somebody that, that was commenting like really, really nasty, venomous stuff at her saying that, you know, does your husband know you're a cheater? Do people know that you're, you're a cheater? I know about your past and you think Tanya is bad. Why don't you share about how your family almost had you committed to a mental hospital? Time is up on you, crazy girl. You know, I have proof that you were stalking your ex. I have proof that you were detained on his property, that you had to be strapped down. You better expose it before we do. We have the videos, psycho. So it was like very, very ominous messages that were being directed towards her, basically threatening to use her past against her. And 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 Emily was kind of saying that, like some of these, a lot of these were fabricated. So I actually don't know what was true out of this trolling and what wasn't. Um, but Emily is just like, my heart sank. Uh, she's like, God, oh, she's like, this is how they're going to play. And, you know, she just was like, what did I get myself into? And then she gets a supportive message. So now it is very unsettling to get trolled on Instagram. And I don't know, I'm, I don't know if any of you have had any experience with this. Um, I haven't had a lot of trolling because this is the first time that I've had a public account. Uh, my other account, my, my personal account that I started like eight years ago is completely private. And I've always been nervous to open it up. But I had my first experience with vitriol through social media not too long ago. And I learned a very valuable lesson. I learned that for the most part, I just want to put positivity out there. I mean, look, on this podcast, I'm going to be very real. But um, what ended up happening is I... so. I was watching this video that was posted on online and it was this video of this guy that, so it's this guy with like, it's big guy, this big muscular guy, hat on backwards, tatted up. Not that that matters, but I'm just painting the picture for you. And he says, um, he's like, before I had a girlfriend and then he puts a pillow on the couch and punches it like wicked hard, like just like, like aggressively. And my, my impression of that, like I had a snap judgment where I, I, I saw that as him being very aggressive. Now, everybody sees things and perceives things through their own lens. And I'm not saying my lens is right, right? I have my own lens through experiences that I've had in my past. And I've almost been murdered by, like literally killed by a domestic partner. And we didn't live together. It was a boyfriend, but I'm lucky that I survived that situation. And, you know, someday maybe I'll start a Patreon and share that story, but it's definitely not something I want to be like super open about. But that, like, I get triggered when I see 
violence sometimes, especially when it has to do with like boyfriend, girlfriend. And it was just, it was just like I made the snap. It was an impression. And so I made a comment on this post that just said, I hope that's the only thing he punches like that. And I, so it wasn't like specifically derogatory towards him. Well, I mean, it it definitely wasn't like some, I wasn't saying something flattering about him. Obviously like the, the intent behind that comment is like, I hope he's not beating up his girlfriend like that, but I didn't want to just like throw that out there. I didn't want to be so specific. Um, I just, I just said that because that's just how I felt. And I, I got so many hateful messages from men who took it defensively and were like, how dare you? I mean, I had men attacking me and like swearing at me and using profanity. I had to block multiple people. I had to report people. I mean, it was so crazy. And I just learned in that moment, and not only, this lasted weeks that I was just getting these messages out of nowhere. And I started having major anxiety about anytime people would make a comment on my post, like any comment that would come, and some of them were positive, but I would immediately, my heart would start racing. And and so I, I do know that getting attacked through social media is very anxiety provoking. I mean, I can't imagine having a child raising a teenager in this time. I mean, for any of you out there that are trying to protect a teenager on social media, you have such a hard job. I can't imagine being a parent in today's world. And so I give a lot of credit to parents, but so, you know, that, and, and it wasn't like I was trolling. I, that was just a comment that I made, but I, I did learn like, I, you know, I don't want to just impose my beliefs out there because there are some people that will take offense to it. And I, I mean, do you want to be my real authentic self? But I think, I do think that a lot of people on social media, they just make comments and they just spew garbage. And I'm not saying I've never done that. Like I, this other, um, I remember I made this other comment on this girl's post and, and it was just a comment of like, like, because I'm obviously very opinionated about food groups and food in general, and because I talk about it so much, and that's like what I like to talk about and analyze every little detail of what people are eating. And so this girl had just made a comment about, um, I think it was like Do- Dr. Pepper soda. And Dr. Pepper to me has always tasted like cough syrup. And so I just made this like little gross face on her post. And again, I didn't mean to say like, ooh, you're gross or you, what you're doing is gross, but she took it very offensively. And I, and I actually apologize. I said, look, I'm not trying to, and it is, it is a bad habit to like yuck someone else's yum. So I, and again, I'll always be like super real on this podcast, but I've also learned that, you know, people might think I'm attacking what they look like by doing that or, or that I'm making fun of what they're eating as if I'm judge, like I'm judging them drinking soda or something, which absolutely was not the case. I think in her case, I think she was sensitive about her weight and she made a very, a hurt comment back saying that basically assuming that I was judging her for drinking soda. And I said, no, girl, I'm so sorry you took it that way. I was not commenting on drinking soda. I just said, I think it tastes like cough syrup. And that is not what I meant. You know, didn't mean to yuck your yum. And I, and she forgave me and it was fine. But, um, but again, it's like, why put that negative comment out there when I could just say, oh, I think, I think if I had actually just said written out, I think diet, you know, Dr. Diet Pepper's, tastes like 
cough syrup. I think it would have just been a little bit different because it just it would have cleared up like what I thought, not that she, not a, just an emoji where she thought that that was I was calling her that. Anyway, my point is that I think a lot can be taken from social media. And if you're following the story on social media, if you're following Tanya Zuckerberg, if you're following Emily Gellis, you can see that this this court case, this fight that these two women are having is literally consuming their lives. I mean, they're fighting constantly and Tanya's followers are trolling Emily and Emily's followers are trolling Tanya. And it's, it's, I mean, I think the reason I'm enjoying it so much is because I'm not in it and I'm not dealing with it. But, you know, I have to admit, I do like a little drama. Okay, let's go on to the third episode. So this episode is entitled, Where There's Smoke, There's Fiber. Very clever. Okay, so this one starts out in 2016. And, you know, before the fiber powders existed, and before Emily and Tanya started their beef, this was on vacation in Capri, and Tanya was friends on Facebook with this woman named Ingrid. So this is where they kind of get into Ingrid a little bit, who I was, I had heard about and I was very fascinated with. And I, I still need to go back and learn more about this woman. But anyway, her and Tanya were, became friends just over social media, but they had never met. And uh, this woman is very wealthy. She lives in Morocco. She's getting, she's starting a Pilates business called the method. Um, and she's getting that off the ground. And they're both at this like very, well, they're both staying at these super, super bougie hotels. I think, um, Ingrid was talking about that. She was at the La Fontalina and, um, Tanya was just across the way at this other really, um, popular and very bougie hotel. And again, I, I, I think I mentioned on my last one, go check out Ingrid on Instagram. She is super, super, super thin. Um, you know, has a lot of work. She's beautiful, but she's like super thin. Uh, like she, and she, you can definitely tell she does Pilates. I mean, that's what she's starting. She's like, like she's like a muscle. I mean, that's all she is. She's like an entire muscle, like no fat on her body. Um, but, uh, so Tanya and her, again, not personal friends, but they, they would always like give each other like love and, and support through social media. And, you know, and so she was, she'd always watch Tanya with her videos and Tanya, if you watch her, she's always talking about these Gigi crackers. Now, on her just recently, she's she's right now, she's in Italy. I don't know if she's still there, but she was there the other day. And she put this picture that she travels with this these Gigi crackers. These are super, super high fiber crackers. They don't look good. Like, I'm kind of curious to order them and just try them because I'm one of those people that when people talk about food, I, I want to try it myself. So I'll probably end up ordering these crackers. Anyway just to try them. But, um, and you see like Tanya's like, Oh, I travel with my Gigi's and you see her on this Instagram video. She posted just recently, you see her showing this incredible, incredible buffet. Um, and if they've got all these breads and pastries and, you know, all the meats and all the cheeses and all the, oh, everything, everything your heart could desire. And you see her family and her family, you know, also eats the F factor way. And you see them instead of eating all of these delicious Italian pastries and, and breads, 
they're eating their Gigi crackers and like, literally bring their Gigi crackers to breakfast and are eating their locks and cream cheese on that. I mean, look, that's dedication. That would not be me. You know, I, I definitely like to eat well-balanced and I like to eat, but if I'm spending $1,000 a night at a hotel, which is like what these hotels cost, and, and I'm spending all this money to have a, a buffet, you're damn right. I'm going to be enjoying those pastries and enjoying that bread. And, you know, that's the thing with me. I mean, when you go to a buffet, like you want to try a little bite of everything. And that's why buffets can be dangerous, for, especially for, for, for weight, gaining weight. But, um, but you know, like recently I was at, I had a little breakfast buffet and I just, and sometimes it's like, I want to get my money's worth. <laughs> so I literally like the last buffet I just went to in San Diego, I took, I took, they had this like little pastry section. So I did, I take what, took like three different pastries, but I just had a bite of each. I just wanted to try them. And so that's me. But, um, you know, Tanya's very dedicated and so is her family apparently. But anyway, so the, the, the Gigi Crackers, now she doesn't sell these. This is a whole nother company that she is promoting like crazy. And, you know, these Gigi Crackers come into many you know, meals that Tanya eats. And so, so she, so, so Ingrid has been watching Tanya and following Tanya and a lot of the different recipes that Tanya has on her website involve the powders, but also involve the Gigi crackers and, and, and a lot of the waffles too. But, um, so, so, so in like with deference to Tanya, um, Ingrid decided to make her own like recipe with Gigi crackers and, you know, and, and because she followed Tanya, she loved F factor. She loved the, the principles that Tanya was teaching. And she, it sounds like she incorporated a lot of them into her own lifestyle. And so, so she was like, Oh, I'm going to make my own recipe with Gigi's. I'm going to make Gigi French toast. And so apparently she kept posting, she kept trying different recipes and posting Gigi cracker content. And, and she would always like give credit to Tanya. She'd be like, Oh, you know, when Tanya does this with the F factor diet and Tanya has all kinds of great recipes too. So it wasn't like she was trying to like pose as if she's the, I, the woman behind these Gigi crackers and making recipes with Gigi crackers for lots of fiber in your diet, she was giving credit to Tanya and tagging her in all these. So it wasn't like she was trying to be shady and do it behind her back. She was actually tagging her. And she's like, I love that factor. I love Tanya. Here's a, a, a great recipe idea. And apparently these this Gigi French toast that Ingrid made appeared on Lauren Bostick's um, blog. Lauren Bostick is another influencer who has her own podcast. I've, I've done a couple of reviews on here, but they're friends, Lauren Bostick and this, and this Ingrid woman. So anyway, so Ingrid's like, you know, posting this content about fiber and, and giving credit to Tanya. And she's, she's kind of confused why Tanya's not responding. I, I, what I took from this is that Tanya's responded before on, you know, through her Instagram. And, and I would imagine that Tanya has somebody that runs her social media account anyway because when I make a, a comment on F Factor, you know, I get a like back or something. So it's it's definitely not Tanya. It's it's obviously a social media manager. But um but then she said she said it was just weird that she wasn't getting any responses. But then she ended up getting a message from this guy Sean, who apparently was was Tanya's nanny and he did a bunch of other things for Tanya. He would like test out recipes and and did some other things for her. 
But she ended up getting this really nasty message on one of her posts that said, you know, you could really learn something from Tanya. You should build your own brand and and use your own principles instead of stealing from her. And so, and, and Tanya said that Sean sent that from his real account, like an adult. And, and she wanted to, and that he wanted to comment on Ingrid's post because she was like, he saw her copy this whole dinner that she made and, and wanted to comment. So then, so Tanya is basically blaming it on Sean. She's like, Sean made this comment. She, Sean is protective of me and F factor and, and is basically, you know, thinking that Ingrid's stealing from F factor and diminishing, you know, the special nature of F factor and trying to basically take it for her own. And, and Ingrid was just really, you know, shocked by this. And, and, and actually then Sean comes on, Ingrid's just like, she like blocked him immediately. And she's like, oh my God. She's like, why is, why is this happening? She actually wrote to Tanya to be like, why is this guy, Sean, commenting this nastiness on, on my page? She's like, I'm, I'm trying to give credit to you. And, and Tanya, of course, never answered her. Um, and so, so then the narrator actually has Sean on and, and Sean, you hear the little clip of him saying that, you know, I never knew Ingrid. I never made that comment, but I do remember Tanya at that dinner, basically complaining about this woman who was, you know, stealing all of her recipes. And he saw Tanya take his phone and make a comment from his Instagram account. So and so he he said he never knew that she was making a comment on Ingrid and he, you know, he wishes he had taken his phone back because, you know, he didn't really understand what was happening at the time, but now he gets it. And so, you know, so you can definitely see that, that Tanya is a little bit diabolical here. I mean, right, you're kind of, you're kind of getting this picture of that Tanya is so fiercely protective of her brand and anyone that might try to steal any of her information, any of her IP, any of her ideas, any of her recipes. And and she's just, she gets nasty. And so, so then, you know, then you come back, then, then the show moves on to Emily and Emily's just getting, you know, she just posted that video about you know, hey, does anybody have any F factor stories? Because, excuse me, she's like, <clears throat> uh, you know, these other accounts have been taken down, and where, you know, does anybody else want to share their stories with me? So she's getting flooded with messages, and and Emily had a rule where you know, she would only share the message if it came from a legitimate account. And what that means is is an, is an Instagram account that, you know, has a photo, has a profile pic, has posts, because a lot of people do create fake Instagram accounts specifically so that they control other people and not have, not get their identity and not be identified. And so, so Tanya was like, this, I'm sorry, Emily was like, this is a rule that I had where if, you know, it had to come from a legitimate account where I could verify who they were as a person. And so she just started spending so, so, so much time on Instagram. It it started to affect her life and her family was getting worried about her. Her sister was worried, offered to help her. And, you know, she just warned her. She's like, look, you're going to take the fall for this by yourself. She's like, all these people that are making these posts, they want to stay anonymous. Like they're not, 
coming out and calling out Tanya in a public way. They're doing it. I mean, they're doing it publicly on these other Instagram accounts, but they're not sharing who they are. So obviously they're scared of Tanya and they're worried about the her litigious nature. And, you know, everyone's everyone else is 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 really fearful of getting sued and attacked. Why aren't you? And and Ingrid ended up noticing Emily as well. And she ended up being um, Instagram friends with Emily, just like she was with Tanya. And so she ended up seeing the story where she got a threat, where Emily had gotten that threatening message and thought, wow, she's like, this is really similar to what happened to me. You know, this, this person that's trolling Emily is also weaponizing her past and, you know, when, and, and so Emily, so Ingrid basically reached out to her and said, look, I, I have a story to share. You know, the same thing happened to me when they wanted me to stop talking about fiber. And so they ended up growing close because of this tra- this shared trauma of social media harassment. And Emily asked Ingrid if she'll actually go on a live with her. And Ingrid was like, no, that's not a good idea. She's like, Tanya sees me as competition. She's like, I'm not competition. I'm not trying to like steal this fiber way of living. She's like, I'm not trying to steal her diet. I was making some recipes with Gigi's. (laughs) She's like, but Tanya sees me as competition. And if, if she sees me as competition, then I could potentially detract from your story. So she's like, I don't want to put myself out there with you. It's just going to detract from it. Like these are important stories. You should just do this by yourself. And I mean, I think she was a little bit scared of Tanya as well. Um, You know, because she's just like, look, I want to support you, but I also need to warn you. She said, these are people with a lot of money and a lot of influence and people like them. You know, there's a lot of famous people that like them. They have a lot of friends in high places and you could get hurt. And, you know, I think it's, it's very brave that you want to do this, but, you know, hopefully you're, you know, it's for a really good cause and you feel strongly about it because this could, this could have repercussions for you. So Ingrid warned Emily that, you know, something bad could happen if you're going after Tanya and her F-factor diet. I've seen it personally with just like some a really small thing, but you're putting her on blast. This could get really bad for you. And, and you know, Emily was confused why the media wasn't picking it up. She's like, you know, why isn't this getting more attention? Why isn't the, like, you know, New York Post calling me? And so, so then she said that she got a DM that changed everything. And apparently there's this person contacted her and said, you know, I, you know, I made this handle. I'm really nervous. You know, that's why I, I don't have my picture and, and I don't have any of my information. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to, I'm really nervous about coming out, you know, in public. And she said, you know, I, I, I had a miscarriage from the F factor. She's like, I didn't think it could be F factor. She said, but I found that I had a ton of lead in my system. And she said she she went out and paid $10,000 for a paint specialist to come in and test for lead in her walls because she just assumed that it was having something to do with her apartment and maybe paint lead. And they didn't find anything. So then she ended up realizing after her doctor did her blood work and did find proof that she had a lot of like very high levels of lead, she realized that it was the F-factor powders. And 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 this was coming from like a troll account, the one that Emily was like I'll never share anything from an account like this because it could be it could be fake. You know, if somebody's not going to share their identity, that could be a totally fabricated story. So um so so Emily ended up 
breaking her rule for the very first time because it was the, 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 she said it's because it was such a serious story and the way that the woman explained it and told it was so believable. She broke her cardinal rule and she ended up sharing the story, putting it out there for the world to see, even though it came from this anonymous kind of weird account that, that really didn't seem trustworthy. And so so Emily ends up going to the Hamptons for her birthday. And she realized that after she had made that post that Perez Hilton, and for anybody that doesn't know Perez, Perez has like, is like a gossip columnist type of guy, but he does it all on social media. He got in trouble back in the day for like being really ruthless with celebrities and just putting out really bad, like just trolling people, basically. He's, he's come around since then. He definitely doesn't um, post the, the same, like the, the, the amount of negativity that he used to. Um, but, but he did pick up this story and talked about how the F factor diet was causing mis- miscarriages and it just got bigger and bigger. So this miscarriage story is really what got media attention. And it got so big that the New York times ended up calling, which was like huge. And apparently there was this, this journalist named Abby Allen who had heard about these rumblings for about the diet for a while. In fact, Abby had written a story back in 2013 about the F-Factor diet, but it was a very glamorous story. It was really, um, you know, speaking very highly of it and how there was like celebrity clients and it's, it's, you know, this and that, and I'm rich and why not give this diet a try? All the rich and wealthy people of New York are doing it. And so, But Abby had heard rumblings. She'd heard rumblings that people were getting sick from this diet. And so in the summer of 2020, um, you know, Abby ended up, you know, she, she, what, what happened is she was hearing these rumblings of people getting sick, but she couldn't get anyone to go on the record. And so when they came across Emily and Emily's stories, they were like, okay, this is it. We have the proof. We need to do the story now. And so, so it went into overdrive. And so, so they started checking all the details. Um, they sent someone out to, to do a photo shoot with Emily and Emily just gave them everything that the, the people that had messaged her had shared with her. She gave them medical records. She gave them, you know, proof of who they were, um, receipts, all of, all of the proof that they needed to have legitimate stories published in the New York Times. And that's important for, for credibility. Like a journalist really has to do their due diligence or the entire publication can lose credibility. And so, so anyway, so they, they, it ended up there. Another journalist got involved with Abby and, you know, they described it as, as Emily was just so satisfied and ready for her Brockovich, her Emily Brockovich moment. And so, so the, the story was about to be released and Emily was describing how she, you know, she was at, in the Hampton still and her friends were there and her dad was there and, and she was cooking for her friends, doing like a cookout with some burgers and some chips and guac. And she ended up getting a call from one of the reporters, this, this woman, Katie uh, Risman or something. And she's like, you know, and it's, she's like, it's normal to get calls from them. So she picks it up. And she's like, look, the story is going to publish, but I have to tell you something. She's like, one of the stories you posted that was sent to you, she's like, it was, it was purposely sent to you to catfish you. She's like, the story is completely fake. This woman is coming out and calling you out and exposing you as, as putting up false narratives. And, and she's like, 
and and Emily was just oh god you know this you know her stomach sank and and she was she was concerned because she's like this is going to take away all the actual credibility from the story because Emily did have real receipts like she did have real women that were willing to go on the record that had spent you know a lot of money on medical bills and like this woman had had um, you know, a receipt from the, uh, you know, getting, you know, tested for her rashes and another woman that had gotten, you know, sent to the hospital and had all of the bills from that. So there was real credibility to the story, but because Emily had done the wrong thing and posted this other, this, this really serious, the most serious story of them all, this miscarriage story without any fact checking and also from a troll account, right? That really did, you know, hurt Emily's story and, and just hurt Emily's credibility and put her in danger of slander, right? Because because clearly that was the wrong thing to do. So, and Emily's just like, you know, she knows she fucked up. She's just like, ugh, she's like, you know, I, this is horrible because first of all, she's like, who makes up a story like that? She's like, that is a, that's a horrible person in general, but she's like, um, so anyway, so the story ended up coming, coming out. It was published online and in print. Emily and her husband go get some coffee. They pick up a bunch of copies and there she is on the front page of the certain section. And she's like filming it on social media and she's posting it. And apparently she posted a picture of herself that said, you know, in the picture from the New York Times article and was like, I win. And so she, you know, she was gloating, but she's like the gloating was short lived because in the article, I, apparently she was, she was, um, she was insulted by being, being called a fashion blogger. I don't know why, but you know. She's a flash fashion influencer. So, um, but anyway, you know, Tanya was like, look, this girl has no health or clinical experience. She has no credentials in healthcare or has anything to do with, with nutrition. And this, this is a woman that sells clothing online. And, you know, and so she's like, this, this article went on to say that, you know, the Dumois tip about this woman, this other woman had shared the story that, um, that Tanya had told her to get off antidepressants because they were making her fat. And if, if antidepressants make you overweight and make you gain weight and you continue to take them, then that's your fault. So apparently that all, that story was also fake. And so, and, and it detailed how Tanya was hiring Lonnie Davis and he, this is, this is like a serious, serious attorney that represents people in crisis, like Bill Clinton and Stormy Daniels, Martha Stewart, just to name a few. So obviously a guy that costs a lot of money that is really, really good at what he does. And, you know, and her dad's, so Emily's dad is an attorney and apparently that, I mean, that's, that's the only way that she can really fight this probably and not go completely bankrupt. I mean, I think Emily has money too, but not, not Tanya money. And so, so, but Emily's like, you know, look, I'm doing the right thing. And, you know, dad, you know, she says to her dad, like, you always taught me to, to do the right thing. And I feel like I'm doing the right thing. So, you know, I do want to fight this. And so, so, the article, the testimonials, she had to go to the hospital. Okay, so so the 
the articles that were published in the New York Times, you know, there were testimonials about a woman that had to go to the hospital for CT scans. And that was for the severe cramping from using um, the F-Factor products. Um, another woman that had gotten a biopsy for getting a rash. And so they had all these receipts. Um, but then the article goes on to discuss the fake miscarriage story. And and apparently the woman that was responsible for doing that catfishing was this girl named Allison who had um, an email called crazycancelculture at gmail.com. That's, that's who had sent the article. And, and apparently this woman... Her, her name's Allison Bright Schneider. She used to be an influence herself, but now sees herself as this like warrior that rages against people who are trying to destroy other people through social media and fake stories through social media. And so apparently she was the one that pretended to be that woman that had the miscarriage. And, and, and she's someone that's had her own account suspended, probably for trolling people. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly what she was suspended for. It might not have been for trolling, but it was for for violating the guidelines that Instagram has. And so, and ironically, not ironically, Allison, this girl, is it, her. She's cousins with the head dietitian at F Factor. So you know, this girl Amanda Carp. I don't know if she's still there, but I mean, obviously, that's not a coincidence, right? That you know, it sounds like this girl Allison has been specifically focused on trolls that are trolling the F-Factor diet. And so, um, so anyway, it sounds like just a lot of people are getting pulled into this feud. There's the, the, this specific episode ends talking about how there's lots of people lurking around wanting to research Emily and get involved. So such a good podcast. I mean, I, and, and there's so many details to this story that I'm really glad they're doing this podcast. Cause I didn't know a lot of this stuff, like this whole Ingrid connection. And so, so number four and number five are next. I don't know how many episodes I know there's going to be at least six, but I, I think that might be it, but, um, I can't wait to do the next two. So stay tuned for more great content. And in the meantime, please follow me on Instagram at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Uh, DM me if you want to share any stories on Instagram trolling or any um, anything you want to share about if you've done the F-Factor diet or any topics you want me to get to after this podcast series is over. Uh, just reach out to me on Instagram. And then please leave a review for this podcast. Let me know what you think. So just wherever you listen to podcasts, if you just scroll down on this episode and leave some stars, uh, that would mean a lot to me. And so until we meet again, I hope all of you have a very balanced week.